One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Ethan Skolnick here for Floors Yours, sponsored by Biscayne Bay Brew. You just saw it. Um, I've got one here with me myself. Check out BiscayneBayBrewing.com. Find out where you can get it in your area, whether it happens to be a Publix, one of the other convenience stores, grocery stores, or a restaurant. That's the Tropical Bay IPA. Marlon Vlogger also got the Miami Pale Ale right here. This is the official beer of Five Reasons Sports and of the Miami Marlins. I got a bunch here, so Alex, if you ever want to pick any up, you are welcome to. I've got Alex Toledo. I've got Greg Slamander. I've got Ricky J. Mark. We're going to go through a bunch of topics here today. We covered some stuff on the podcast last night. I was down at the game. They lost to Peyton Pritchard. I do apologize for slandering Duncan Robinson for saying that he did not box out at the end. It was not him. It was Tyler Hero. Um, I think Alex and Greg corrected me on that. Let's start here. We're going to go through a bunch of topics pretty quickly here. I have not given anybody the topics, so these will be surprises. We will go through here. We will go through this. Greg, what is the single biggest issue keeping this team from being consistent early this season? You can only pick one. They've gone basically loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, and now loss. That's a great question. I'm, I mean, I'm going to go with the easy answer and say turnovers. If turnovers were cut in half, the record would be completely flipped. They didn't have a lot of turnovers last night, though. So, Alex, I'll go to you on this. The rebounding has been a consistent problem most games. How exactly do they fix that with what they have on the current roster? That's honestly the question to me that is going to go unanswered for now. Excuse me. Uh, I think it's kind of a question just because, like I mentioned in the other part, we're kind of digging deep into what's different between them and, uh, you know, what they were last year, even in the short sample. The rebounding was not nearly as big of a problem last year. Like, they weren't in the lead at it, but the rebounding percentage was actually pretty high, even though their, their total rebounds was low, and that hasn't been the case this year. So, obviously, what we could point to, what's obvious, is that Myers Leonard was a starter last year, and he isn't this year. They were playing bigger, and now they're playing smaller. Uh, but Kelly's back, and we know Kelly's not a strong rebounder either, so he's not going to solve it by himself. So, I'm just not sure what the answer to this one is here. And this could just be a problem all year. I I, I don't know, though, because they played small in the playoffs, and that's when they were at their best. So, I'm not sure how to actually look at this. What I'm going to have to look into then probably is – how the rebounding looked throughout the playoffs, and if that was a problem then. So a lot of people talking about Jay Crowder, missing Jay Crowder. He was the four last year, not a big rebounder. Then I, then there were some stats that were put up on social media today on Twitter that basically indicated that Jay Crowder has one of the worst on-off um, per 100 possessions in the entire league right now. He's bottom five in the league. I will ask you this, Ricky. Do they miss Jay Crowder? Uh, no, no. Uh, I will say this because, if I'm not mistaken, he arrived midway through last season. So Miami was pretty decent for the first half of the season. They had their ups and downs, of course. But no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it all on Jay Crowder. No. Go to you, Greg, on this one. Tyler Hero's stats through the first uh, what do we had seven games of the season are pretty much the same as they were last season. Is he playing better, the same, or worse in your view? He's playing about the same, but the expectations have changed and the leaps that I think the fan base and quite frankly, the organization expects 
um, probably need to be a bigger than what we've seen so far. I don't know that having um, the equivalent points per game to last year on worse percentages uh, is going to be something that we look at in retrospect from this season and say, oh, Tyler Hero took a leap. Like I, I that's we're all like I had him pegged to 21 points per game. So you know that I am a, a hope trafficker extraordinaire. But I mean, even if he was at the 17 point per game mark, but again, it's so early. Like there's a part of me that understands we have to kind of dice this stuff up and, and dissect it. But it's still, I mean, he could go on a run here just because of the way averages work. He could get 32 nights in a row and all of a sudden his average looks completely different. So I just think it's a little early to get too hung up. Alex. I also think it's early. I, I mean, to, I don't, like, Portavox is my guy. I like this commenter. He He's always nice to me in the comments. But I don't agree with his line of thinking there when he said he's shooting 29% from three. How's he playing better? We know the difference in role that Tyler Hero has right now to what he had last year. It's a very big difference. Last year, he was a bench shooting guard who was kind of a spark plug and who would just come in and score for stretches in the game. And obviously, he would close. He had a big role as the season finished with the playoffs and all that. But, man, like... Of course, his three-point percentage is going to be lower. He's doing a lot more stuff on the ball now. And by the way, uh, shout-out Giancarlo Navas, Miami Heapy, who pointed out this stat. Who This is going to give credit to Tyler Hero here. 1.2 points per possessions as a pick-and-roll ball, ball handler. Like, that is awesome. Obviously, it's a short sample. I'm not saying he's going to keep it up that, you know, at that rate for the whole season. That would be incredible. That would be, you know, top 20 in the league. But I'm just saying, like, skills-wise, he's a better player. It's not even close to me. Like, it's not close at all. I think, obviously, uh, we all predicted the production would be a little bit higher. But uh, just the, the the skills growth, I think it's unquestionable with Tyler. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Because did Tyler at any point last season have a 21-15-4 game last year? I don't Regular think so. Regular season? No. Yeah. Yeah, he did that. He's already had, if I'm not mistaken, at least two – uh, 10 rebound games. This is coming from a moderately athletic, supposedly shooting specialist with short arms. To do that in this league, he's, he's doing pretty well. I, he's not he's strong not, at all either. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's doing well for himself. I think that this all just points back to expectations. And I think that when you hear Heat fans reluctant to put Tyler Hero in a James Harden trade, or you see that the organization is reluctant to put Tyler Hero in a James Harden trade, that immediately elevates what people are going to expect from him. And that's just inevitably how this is going to shake out. I don't know that it's necessarily fair, but again, it's so damn early. All right, it's early, so let's get to the next one. Uh, Duncan Robinson. Do you think, Greg, at any stage this year that he will be trusted to be one of the quote-unquote five on the floor on a consistent basis at the end of games? I'm not talking about what happened last night where you got desperate because you were playing in with Dolly, you fell down 10, you brought Duncan in, he had the seven quick points. But I'm talking about where it's just put him out there and forget it, the way that it sort of became like with Hero last year for, uh, for Spo. If they're about to pay him $20 million a year to stay, he better be able to stay on the damn court. So I think that there's an element of this season that is going to tell that story. I mean, if I would predict, I would say, yes, he would find a way to defend well enough, communicate well enough, do enough of the, the little things to be um, 
adequate. And then when you add on the fact that he's just obviously the kind of sniper that can uh, reverse jinx Ethan in five seconds in, <laughs> against the Celtics. Um, like when you have that kind of offensive punch, I just, I, I hope he gets there. I want him to get there this season. We're going to find out and the heat need to know because otherwise they're going to have to pay him, you know, uh, David Bertans, you know, Bertans money or uh, Joe Harris money. All right. So that's the next question, Alex. Is a shooter for this team ultimately worth 18 to $20 million a year going forward? Again, if you can't play him in certain situations at the end of the game. So there's two conversations being had here. To me, the, the value question is easy. If do you think having a top seven offense is valuable? I, I say, yeah, I think like that's he's the biggest reason they were there last year. Do You remember the shows we were doing heading into the season when we thought Justice Winslow was going to be the starting point guard. We didn't know anything about Duncan Robinson excuse me, and Kendrick Nunn, and we were talking about, you know, their defense is going to be strong, their offense is going to be questionable. They were a top seven offense. They they held it all year. They were the best shooting team in the league. These things are, you know, they're connected. And I'm not saying Duncan Robinson is the only reason they're, they're that good of an offense. We know they've got weapons. I'm just saying, like, you got to keep this dude, man. Like, obviously, you know, trading him for James Harden is a different story. Like, that's a different conversation here. But as far as his value, I think it's undeniable. And I think the second conversation about whether or not, like, he's viable in the fourth is kind of being overstated. Like, man, I get it. He's bad on defense. But I think that's got more to do with how many other bad defenders you're also playing at the same time as him. Like, you got to cover him up a little bit. And, like... <laughs> Like, he's not a strong defender at all. He can't move, you know, I mean, compared to other wings, you know, and that's a problem. But when he's that good of a shooter, like, what are you going to do? I think, like, did you see what he did last night, man? Like, yeah. No, I did right after I tweeted that they lost. I well, guess. and also, like, if you have a team that's top-heavy and you get the opportunity to keep one guy – I think that the there's validity in keeping the best shooter, but also the guy that you can re-up. And yeah, you're going to pay some luxury tax to do it, but at least you have the vehicles from a salary cap perspective to retain him. Whereas I think some of these other guys may get included in a big deal if you're going to go for a superstar. So, I mean, from a value perspective, I think no matter what, he's going to be worth it to Miami to pay to keep. All right, let's go to you on this, Ricky. Uh, Preston Sachua has played in every game now. He's getting consistent minutes. Uh, he looks to me like he has hands that are as good as pretty much any big we've seen come through uh, Miami. The one thing we've not seen happen yet, though, except for a small, really, like a minute sample size, is Bam playing with Precious. And I feel like that's kind of the final frontier for this season because that would allow Precious to kind of become a starting four maybe eventually what do you think do you want to see that do you think we'll see it and from what you've seen so far precious do you think they fit uh so right now i don't i would love to see it personally because i think that means that you have a really athletic very defensively inclined front court um i think he still has a little bit of developing to do on offense in order for him to be more of the kind of player that we've seen out of kelly o and to a more limited extent myers leonard uh, next to Bam, I think that eventually we will see Precious develop an outside shot. And once that happens, I think it will be a lot easier for him to be on the floor. Would I like to see that happen early? Yes. But at the same time, I'm a guy who, dating back to 2005, against Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace, I wanted to see them play Shaq and Zoe next to each other. Right. Because 
<laughs> I was like, I was one of those guys. I remember being no, me too. The, me too. Yeah. I remember being on the real GM message board screaming for that back in those days before Lane Van. Uh, you guys UD? Um UD. Well, you know, I mean, Rashid was ridiculous yeah. back then. But yeah, so I think eventually, uh, I think that will have to happen. I think he is our power forward of the future, un- unless, you know, a, someone from Greece shows up somehow. So yeah, I think I think that has to happen. I could see it happen more often. And I think the more Mo Harkless continues to, let's just say, not impress, I think we'll see Spo eventually turn to that option, especially if we end up moving one of our other bigs for, I don't know, a very talented shooting guard from our nation's capital. Good talk about that. So let's throw this one out there. This is the topic that people do want to get to, so we'll get to it. Although I just threw a different one at Five Reasons Sports that's running 50-50 right now after 2,000 votes, which stuns me. Uh, But let's get to this one from the Heat perspective. Same assets that, say, Houston would take for James Harden, let's say Washington would take them for Bradley Beal. You can only have one, Greg. Oh, I mean, come on. I'm going Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, no doubt. I mean, I am too, but I, I sense Alex is not. Oh, I'm I want to say Beal. I really do want to say Beal. I think just because of the age, like, I think that it's just such a, it's, it's a, there's a gap there, you know, and that's not insignificant. But, uh, and we're just talking player. I, I, it's Harden. I'm sorry. Like, if we're just talking, you know, w- without the contract, without the age or whatever. Yeah, uh, no. But you have to factor all that in. Come on, course. man. <laughs> of course, of course. I, so that's what I'm trying to say there. Like, but, but who would the I rather have them? It's going to be the same, though, ultimately. Like, right? I mean, it, but right. the age and also like the fit and, mm-hmm. and fitting, in, fitting in the offense and like being a spacer that can also do things that don't require him to dribble the ball into the floor. Like, I I don't know. I just feel like it fits better. It's definitely a better fit. The one thing though, I would say about that is I would feel a little worse giving up everything for Beal than giving up everything for Harden because Beal to me is not that standalone type of talent that I feel like Harden is. I right. love Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal is awesome. He's a great yeah, player. Last night, Alex. No, it's, no yeah, but it's a good a point. Where Alex Devin Booker had seventy-one like three years ago. Okay. Like a Bradley no, Beal, a Bradley Beal-led team. How far do they go? If he's their best player, how far do they go? I mean, like, like yes, in Miami, a cultured Bradley Beal that I'm going to hope traffic is going to be the best player on planet Earth, but. Ultimately, so far, he hasn't shown that he can carry a team the way James Harden has. But, so, but, okay, but let me ask you this, Greg. See, I think mm-hmm. that one, that one is, I'm going to let Ricky get in, but I, I feel like that one's a little unfair because I, I don't think Beal has ever had a roster in Washington, particularly since Wall went down, as good as what Harden has had around him. I mean, Harden has always had a second star, and he's always had a P.J. Tucker type or a Covington type or a Capella type, like, did you see what Washington ran out there yesterday? Like, Hachimura and a bunch of guys, I don't know who the hell they are. Like, Ricky, you're on the Beal train, right? Yes, no, absolutely. Because here's the thing. There is something about bringing certain kinds of players to Miami that make them better than they've ever been. Now, I'm not going to sit here and try to say that on just on their merits that Bradley Beal would be immensely greater than uh, James Harden, but in terms of his impact and what he would bring to a championship team, Ethan, kind of like what you were saying, when you consider some of the players that Bradley Beal has had to deal with in, in, in Washington, I mean, their best season was when an old Paul Pierce uh, hit a game winner for them in the semifinals. You know, right. after that, everything fell out. 
So for me, I think Bradley Beal, when you bring him, if you were to bring him down to Miami, considering what he brings to the table, what he is on and off the court, let's just say hypothetically that Beal has wanted out since the summer. And we, the thing is, we, I mean, we've got source, we've got sources and everything here and we don't, you know, we, we don't really know about it. There's no turmoil. You don't have, you don't have Bradley Beal in an interview acting like he has no idea what's going on in the world in an, in an effort to alienate fans. Like that stuff's not happening. That vibe isn't, that vibe isn't really associated with, with Bradley right now. I would take Beal. It just makes sense for me. Well, I will say this. We've got the Julius Randle talk. Oh, oh I liked him. I liked him for New York. We're, we're, we're going to get to some of that kind of stuff in a second because I, I do want to touch on that. All, all I'll say is Beal's dropping more hints and so is his wife on Twitter, okay? So there, there's been some stuff out there recently that gives you a little bit of hope. Let me throw this at you. I know I'm going to throw this at Greg because I know Alex hasn't watched the Dolphin game in, in a couple of years and, and, and Ricky probably right. not either. Not live at least. I, no, but I'll throw this <laughs> at Greg. I'm going to let you answer the poll here, okay, because you, you are a Dolphin fan as well, though not, not like you are with the Heat. You can only have one disgruntled Houston athlete. For both of them, you're going to have to empty the clip, okay? Because if if you're the Dolphins to get Deshaun Watson, you're going to have to give up Tua, multiple draft picks, okay, and all oh, kinds man. of stuff to get that guy. You can only have one. You empty it for Harden, you empty it for Watson. Okay, so me, I empty it for Harden. Um, and uh, I'll explain why. Um, I believe that Tua is a good quarterback. I think that you can win with Tua. We haven't seen him with weapons. We haven't seen him with a good offensive coordinator, and we haven't seen him in an offense that allows him to throw the damn football. So, like, until I see those things, I'm not ready to write off Tua. So to empty the clip for Deshaun Watson, I, I'm not really feeling that, even though, I mean, obviously it would be very exciting to have him. I'm still on the Tua train. Um, so I would go James Harden because I think that, having the best trio in the NBA and the heat, obviously um, uh, putting some of that culture on James Harden could bring a cha another championship to Miami. And ultimately I would trade another heat championship for a dolphins super bowl. And I know people are going to go crazy. Whoa, whoa, I'll, ta I'll take my fourth tonight. heat title for, you know, before I would take a dolphin super bowl. So I'm going with oh, the heat. Interesting. Okay. At, at the end of the day. All right. So let me throw this one at you. I, I love Andy. We got him off the screen. Uh, let me throw this one at you. Tua or Hero will be the key pieces to those two to, to those trades. Who ultimately is going to be the better player in their respective league? Uh, I think Tua will. Okay. I think that. I mean, I'm I'm on that train also. But I was just curious which direction you would go with that. All right, let's go to Alex here. Alex on the thread. You were kind of throwing out some hypothetical smaller type trades uh give, give us a couple i know you haven't fully researched these but give us a couple well the one that that's kind of been in my head that you know we've kind of talked about okc in different contexts as far as being a trade partner with the heat and, you know they have a history of being a trade partner with the heat so i was just trying to work out something and you know we've kind of talked about roster wise they can consolidate you know maybe look for another point guard like people are you know clamoring for and also another small ball four you know i i think you flip none you unprotect one of those picks that they already have. Uh, you take the protections off. 
and you throw in a Myers Leonard. I mean, I would rather not trade Kelly. Hopefully, you know, you wait until Myers can be traded and, you know, you throw him in there and uh, you get back at George Hill and Trevor Ariza. I think that's, you know, that type of like on the margins move. That's yeah. like something I will go for. I think an on the margins move is more likely than some of these bigger moves we're talking about. I, I think it might be last year we were talking about other things and the Iguodala Crowder was kind of on the margins. It was a little bit bigger than that, but I, I feel like that's the kind of trade uh, that they're investigating. All right, we'll do some more of those. Ariza is interesting because he's almost been with the heat 12 times. And I, remember, I remember asking him, I mean, they almost got him in 14, but he wanted yeah. multiple years and that's why they signed Dang. It was so um, close. So they close. were very close, and they signed Deng, and Ariza is still hanging out uh, in the league. Thank you, Keith. Ethan. His value is more than you think. I appreciate it. I'm like the only one left. Uh, so I do appreciate it. Um, Ricky, I want to ask you this. Uh, the Wizards, you're like our resident NBA historian here, Heat historian. So oh, the Celtics one, you came up with a bunch off the top of your head the other day. This is going to be harder. Mm-hmm. Give me your two favorite Heat Wizards memories. Okay. 2011, uh, they dropped – it was really close, and the, the the Heat, they it was the big three era. They came back from, like, nine down late in regulation, and I think, I don't know, did they force overtime? They might have forced overtime, but it was, like, one of those big wins where all three of them were hugging at the end. It's, like, one of those iconic early big three era photos. That's one. Uh, number two, I would say game four, 2005 semifinals, when Dwayne Wade led the team to a sweep and he dropped i think no either shack. 36 or 40 yeah no shack no because shack, shack was out with a thigh bruise yeah he was out with the thigh bruise and he led them and the the key moment of that game was big uh eddie jones actually came through in the clutch for miami he hit like big threes down the street i know exactly <laughs> he, had, he had big threes <laughs> yeah i know he hit big threes uh for the team and that helped them close out the team uh close out the wizards which is kind of funny considering in, I think, game seven against the Pistons, he hit like a half-court shot but didn't yeah. score for the rest of the game. No, no. Yeah. So I would say those – yeah, I would say those two games, yeah. I got I got to sneak two of them in here. He Go just ahead, and stuff. I, I mean, this is, this is my wheelhouse. Um, mm-hmm. So Alonzo Mourning uh, got his career high on George Mirasan's head uh, in, in, uh, in Miami yeah. Arena. Yep. And then the other one that I'll never forget is um, – a, a rookie Karan Butler going one-on-one with Michael Jordan in Michael Jordan's last season. And I'm going to sneak in one more yeah. in oh, Dwayne God. Wade's rookie year. He dunked on Christian Leitner in the AAA <laughs> and go find it on YouTube or wherever. It is one of the nastiest dunks. He cocked it back and dunked on him. And that's when I knew Dwayne Wade was a different kind of player. Yeah. Eric Reed called him Superman. Yeah, that night. Now, I'm surprised you, you guys offered a four, sorry, five. And didn't come to that UD. I got one more. The, the yeah, UD buzzer got. beater. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god, that one! I that was great for me. I I've always loved UD, and seeing him hit a game winner was just great because you know that's such like a great moment like for a player like that. And the second mm. one, not nearly yeah. as important, but that just came up to the top of my head and made me laugh was when <laughs> when Galskis got into it with John Wall. Was it <laughs> in that first year in the Heat? <laughs> With, uh, I don't sorry, even the, remember the, that. The no, that was going to be mine. I was at that game. So, okay, so that was going to be mine. Okay, oh, damn. Z, I, got, I got two more. Mm. Grabbing they, they had us up on the risers. In, in Washington, you almost always die because they put you on these like rickety like risers like like by the tunnel. And when Big Z got kicked out, he came up and he saw us in the media. And he went, 
like this. Like he was like, like just after he got thrown out. But like seeing Big Ben <laughs> thrown out of the game was like the weirdest effing thing. Uh, did he, did yeah, he light a cigarette in the tunnel? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, at that point, there's no question about that. But the other thing I always remember about that building, though, is I would say more Dwayne Wade fans in that building. It, Atlanta's probably second. Brooklyn was third. But Washington, man, mm -hmm. like, they didn't even pretend to be rooting for the Wizards. Like, it was just Dwayne from the very start. They loved him in D.C., like, just loved him uh, in D.C., um, one of my favorite moments, though, covering a game in D.C. was I was covering the Cavs in 14-15 when they were struggling early in the season. And basically, Dion and Kyrie were dribbling, doing pirouettes. Oh, on the yeah. Court. The event, they, and and yeah. I passed it to LeBron, and I walked into the locker room. And again, I was one of the few reporters LeBron actually knew at that point because he had just gone back to Cleveland, a lot of reports. He looks at me when he comes in, and he goes, these motherfuckers. And that's it. As I walked into the locker room, and that was it. And as Dion and Kyrie were doing this, and I'm like, Dion's not long for DC. That's it. That's pretty much the end of it. Uh, that's how it goes. All right, let's uh, let's Ooh. get there. You go. What is this? What is this? Zoom in, zoom oh, in. There you go. Oh, <laughs> you see, that reminds me. That you see, I'm already reminded of two more. If I could just drop two more. Go ahead. There was one. There was when when Shaq was almost perfect from the field, and he dropped forty in his first season with Miami against, I believe it was the wizards. And then the other one was when the heat beat Washington, like the, the, the MJ wizards at the MCI center, I think it was Brian Grant who hit a game winner with like 11 seconds left. I remember it because that was like one of the only games of that season. I remember watching Michael Jordan actually hit a three and Timmy, yeah, those two. Timmy hit a game those winner two. against him too. The first game of the year, 96, 97, boom. Getting now, all of against the wizards. Oh, you know, that was against the Wizards. Look at that. I'm sneaking him in there. Oh, my goodness. I got to find that game. One of my favorite matchups early on in Dwayne's career, though, was Gilbert Arenas. Um, that was always fun because Gilbert – people forget how good Gilbert was. Oh, yeah. Like, he was awesome. He became kind of a clown later on, and then he had some you know, some of the issues. But, like, before he started hurting the knees, uh, you know, that, that, that's – hey, No snitching, all right? He might yeah, still right. have a job in Miami. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's not do that. Um, I'm trying to think of other Wizards memories that come to mind, though. Now, th those are, I mean, they, they only saw them in the playoffs one time. It's just that one time, the sweep, right? That's it. And and Dwayne led them in that series, the 4-0. Uh, they actually went 8-0 that mm -hmm. year before yeah, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. All right, let's get to the rest of this road trip, and then we'll close it up. Um, you got Washington. You got two against a very hot Philly team right now. By the way, look at Tobias Harris's numbers. Um, something's clicked there back with Doc. Uh, like, I'm not you saying it's just the roster fit. It fits better, right? It's a lot better. Like, it just the team just makes a lot more sense now. He just went to back to being like a decent, pretty good player. I mean, he's still not going to be worth that contract, but I mean, he was he he uh, mm -hmm. he took a dip last year. Yeah, but and they're playing well. They have a good record. Um, and Ethan, you skipped the Celtics game, which I mean, I understand. Oh, no. I would want to skip that game too. Um, but but yeah, with Philly, I, I had a feeling they were going to jump out to a hot start. I even said it when we were kind of previewing the teams and what we thought about uh, the Eastern Conference and the landscape. Um, Philly was a team that I thought would click early, um, and so we're seeing that. I don't know that it'll last though. I, let's it usually doesn't. This will be the final one here. I pulled this also. Five duos in the East. Put them in order. Okay? 
Bam and Jimmy, Simmons and Embiid, Durant and Kyrie, Giannis Oof. and Middleton, and I was trying to think who was the fifth one that I had in there. Uh, Brooke, oh, and, and Tatum and Brown. Okay. Ricky. All right, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Giannis and Middleton first, okay. uh, then Embiid and Simmons, okay. uh, KD and Kyrie because we're starting to encounter a pretty you know we're starting to see them starting to miss games for a variety of reasons. I know Kyrie's got some personal reasons. I don't, we don't know what they are, and I think Steve Nash just that. yeah so. he just found out that he can't you know and so. Right. You know, um, who who are the? I'm sorry, who are the the last two? Well, Bam and Jimmy and uh, and Brown and Tatum. Okay, yeah. So I'll do yeah, uh, Brown and Tatum, and then Bam and Jimmy number five. I'm ready for the flaming. I'm ready for it. Just go at it, Greg Flaming. So I mean, I, I would take yeah. KD and Kyrie one. Um, I understand. I, I do. Bam, Bam and Jimmy two. Jalen and Tatum three. Um, <laughs> It's going to be four, my exact one. Four, Giannis and Middleton, and fifth, Embiid and Simmons. There we go. That's that the exact that? same one I was thinking mm-hmm. of, man. I, I was think, I was uh, going back and forth between the Celtics and Bucks duos, but I was going to have uh, KD and Kyrie Ward, Jimmy and Bam, too, and then have Embiid. And, that was the one that was easiest for me, was having Embiid and Simmons five, because that <laughs> – yeah. I just cannot stand that fit. So that one was easy. But I, I know what Ricky's doing because off, off the strength of Giannis, he's taking that duo – First, and I understand that because, like, there's some LeBron scenarios where mm-hmm. you would have done that in the past too. Same with KD. Durant first, then, right? I mean, but, they, look. Let's be fair. They won 60 two seasons ago. You know, no, they were on pace for it again. I look. I get it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this much. On on the strength of like in terms of how explosive a scoring team or a scoring duo they are, KD and Kyrie. It's hard to argue against them. And especially the way they looked against Boston and pretty much the start the season before rest and COVID and injuries. Believe me, I completely understand why they would be number one. I get it. I get it. But I don't know if I would put Bam and Jimmy that high. I really, <laughs> I really, I can't. Because here's the thing. Do we, like, for starters, yeah, we know Jimmy, what Jimmy did in the finals. But do we know that Bam is going to, you know, I don't want to say bring it, but is he is he gonna play to You're his to ability? Talk yourself out of the box right in now. Like That's... nine out of ten times. <laughs> I... No, no. Look, I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm. I'm sticking with mine. I completely I, understand. I, 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 I do. I just. I'm, I'm. I'm taking Bam and Jimmy over Simmons and Embiid. Okay, so let's start there. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. It's more All of right. a conversation when you start to kind of elevate up, because it depends if the Kyrie, Katie thing fits which we still don't know 100 percent for sure it looks good but again you know kd looks good anyway um and, and we'll see how that thing fix it's a tough conversation i, I would i mean I, I would still go bam and jimmy over tatum and brown to be honest although bam's gonna have to take another jump for that to be solidified in my eyes pretty much the boston boys are doing it already you I, see? I, we don't we don't have to tell them that the hey final? you're getting paid yeah. To yeah. the finals? Have they been? Hey, look, hey, that's fair. I hear you. But in terms <laughs> of just the duos, right? Not the teams. Because, you know, we didn't miss our their duo uh, beat our duo? Walker until the finals. No, no, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, we, didn't, we, we, didn't, we didn't miss. Yeah, we didn't miss our Kemba Walker until the finals when Goron got hurt. Right? And that hurt us. Right? right. So, 
That's true. You know. I mean, I mean, they, they didn't have a point guard yesterday. I mean, they, they were playing Peyton Pritchard behind Marcus Smart, right? They didn't have oh. either mm. of their two point guards. So hey, at least our top two Almond is not Dion and Hassan. So we, we're we're doing okay. That that's true. That's We've true. come a right. long way from that. All right. Thanks to Ricky. I think um, I will invite him back. I think if just for the memories, follow him at Ricky J Mark. Uh, thanks to you know, <laughs> thanks to our nice. producer Danny Chegg. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Alex. At the end of the day. Chopping the yeah. blanket. Thanks to Greg. Uh, we'll be back for the post games here coming up this week. Also, thanks to Biscayne Bay Brewing. Make sure you check that out. Get the beer. I got more new stuff that just came to my place. So, like I said, anybody who lives locally here can just stop by. And also, prize picks. I didn't mention it, but get those in. They're starting something new on prize picks this week. It's really cool. Use the code five. They're doing single stats for players. So, it's really easy. You think Jimmy's going to go over 22 points? Pick him, go over. You don't have to do a whole fantasy stat thing. It's just points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, over, under, pair them, and just play. For $20 down, just try it and see if you like it. Um, I'm doing okay. I wouldn't say I'm doing great, but I'm doing okay with it. All right, thanks to everybody. Again, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.